Amen. Praise God. Now, are you excited that you have been called a minister of the gospel? Are you excited that God sees you as his anointed? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there's a way anointed ones react to our purpose. Because God has called us into something greater. Beyond the scope of this world. Beyond the visions of this world. Beyond the visions of man. God has put eternity in our hearts. You know, we can be excited over that fact. Yes. Now, you see. Glory to God. Woo. We can be excited. Now, you know, some of you will be looking at that guy. And you'll be like, you'll be saying that. Uh, he's, he's doing too much. No, that's that that's being born of the spirit. Glory! Woo! Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Woo! Glory. Woo! Glory, glory, glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Mike, come, come. Mike, give us give us a word of prophecy. Woo! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Uh, yeah. Let me say, we have, we have not taught the things of the Spirit. Please, can you uh, give him some uh, voice or something? Yeah. Yeah. E baruzo ton de lebedosha, e kayan de leberuaziata, rabarin de lebariata, e kabaruzien de lebede, marshalen de lozia di alada, e kaban de leberuzo kondi alai, re baruzo kodi ele baruze gedebedosha, arianziata da 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 da. Mando sokoya ikadiata e baranzi katado shelelebede. The word of God is saying to each and every one of us here today. That's right. Mandele brazusotoshia ikananda yaladabadosi eledegedebede. Just open up, just open up, open up, open up. Through you, I want to speak words of wisdom. Ooh, glory to God. Through you, I want to. Bring forth healing. Through you, I want to reach out to the world. Through you, I want to reach the world. I want to, I want to speak words of wisdom. That's right. Through you, I want to speak words of knowledge. Through you, I want to perform miracle. Through you, there is that spectacular word of faith coming to you. To your family, to your world, to your classes, to your place of work. E kananti eledegedebedosha. E rabazuza taela da badose legedebede. Do not fear. Do not fear. It is in you. It is in you. Do not fear. Just release yourself. Let me speak forth through you. As I speak to you, utterance is coming. And as I speak, power flows. As I speak, healing comes. As I speak, you are speaking forth knowledge from the depth of the heavens. Mando so pedoshi alagadia ina na na maniende legede bedo e barusa taila da badoshi legede bede e raziande le berundi alagada badosha e raba bande le bedoshi legede bede. Do not fear. Do not fear. Let it flow from you. Let it flow. 
Do not fear what to speak, but I speak through you. Man, those okay, Aladabadia. I speak forth through you. So do not fear what to speak. At the right time, as you open your word, just rely on me. Rely on me. I will speak forth through you. And through you, I will bring forth mighty miracles. Through you, men shall believe. Through you, men shall come to the truth of the world. Through you, men shall see the light. Mandoshi Aladagadabadosha. Glory, glory. Come on, rejoice. Rejoice, come on. Woo! Glory. You know, he said we have received the word of wisdom. Hallelujah. I don't think we know how to receive yet. Praise God. Sons of God receive with joy. Woo! Glory. Glory! Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. Woo! Woo! Glory! Hallelujah! Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Let's see that one. Thank you. Hallelujah. Don't worry, we're going to have more of this. Praise God. You know, you... So we say, ah. Mike didn't know I was going to call him. If I know you, just know that that's a types and shadows. <laughs> Maybe this evening, who knows? Yeah, come, Ella. Give us a word. Yeah. Ella, are you looking up? <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Um, so who can so far since we started yesterday, who wants to who wants to guess my salmon my this my salmon name? Who has who has an unction from the Holy One? That <laughs> want to guess the topic of my teaching so far. Not yet. Eh? Yes, Ella. I said it. What is it? I said yesterday, eh, what did I say? <laughs> eh? I said Jesus. <laughs> okay. All right. So Jesus, right? <laughs> okay, Matthew chapter 16. Let's go there very quickly. Uh, <clears throat> we sort of have a lot to cover today. I just want to share some things that will help... Uh, our Christian work, when we, as, as pertaining um, the supernatural, as pertaining the supernatural, uh, like I said, still forgive me because of this. I don't really know how to use this. Well, now yesterday uh, I said something that um, I was. Can, can we just put this forward, please? I don't mind sweating. Don't worry. I, I would prefer my <laughs> the Bible not to be flipping. Okay, improv. <laughs> Okay, at least some people were making jests of me yesterday because I wore suits in heat. Uh, somebody said, um, I'm giving invited guest bites. It's too great. <laughs> All right. So yesterday I said something, and I just, I'm going to uh, put it in a 
just to give it a more context of what we are looking at. Now, I said yesterday that, um, that we don't need, praise God. Now, now, I've started, please. So listen, leave what they're doing there. Please listen. Now, yesterday I said that we don't need the New Testament to interpret the whole Testament. Can you remember? Now, there's something I did not say that we should help that statement. Uh, and that will give it more, it will give it more flesh. Okay? Now, what I did not say, because I was reviewing my notes yesterday. And I saw that I skipped that, and I said I'm going to talk about it today. That, and what I did not say is that the New Testament books, right, rather show us a destination of the Old Testament books, right? The New Testament books would rather show us a destination of the Old Testament book, but not the interpretation. The New Testament books would rather show us the destination of the Old Testament books, but not the interpretation. Now, that means that what we are saying is when I read the epistles, I'm going to be seeing what the prophets of old were talking about, right, in more detail. Do you get that? That's what I mean by that. So, the point I'm trying to make, in other words, is that both the New Testament books and the Old Testament books, they must be read together. Amen? They must be read together. Okay, so, that means that my reading of the epistles, my reading of the epistles would, would help me interpret, my reading of the epistles will help me interpret the Old Testament closer to my world, right? That is, I'll be able to relate with it when I read the epistles quickly. Do you, do you get that? Okay. So, <clears throat> now, I remember I, we also talked about codified language. What is a codified language? Can you remember that? What's a codified language? Uh, it's a lot of so, murmuring. Yeah, somebody should just give someone the mic. Let somebody say, what's a codified language? <laughs> what's a codified language? Yes. Look at your book. Don't worry. It's just yesterday, so look at it. It is a summary of text that carries within itself multiple events. Multiple events. But how is the text structured? Those texts. Yes. Huh? Yeah, well, it's short. It's short. Yes. Short phrases, right? Short. short phrases. Can you remember? It's very important. So we said that the epistles are in codified language, right? Remember? And I will, we looked at several examples. Can you remember that? Right. Now, I told you that I'm going to introduce another biblical method of interpretation that will help you, which is called um, identification unifiers. Can you remember that? identification unifiers. Now, I'm going to just show you what that means. Now, everything that Pastor Marcos taught us today, right, applies, you apply the same rule when you're also looking at identification unifiers. It is not, uh, what's the word now? It's not different. You have to apply those methods with this method. Do you follow? Right? So, what is identification unifiers? Okay. Now, 
identification unifiers, please write, I'm defining it. Identification unifiers is when two events, when two events that has happened at two different times of history. Did you get that? I'm not done with the definition. I just want to know if you got that. Let me say it again. Identification unifiers is when two events that has happened at two different times of history with different personalities are united in their theology. Should I say that again? I'll say it again. Identification unifiers is when two events that has happened at two different times of history with different personalities are united in their theology. I just want to say publicly that I know after this session is break, right? And the break is 40 minutes. So please, with the whole of my heart, I'm begging you, let me take 10 minutes out of it. So you have 30 minute break. Please, thank you for accepting it in love. I don't want to look at the pastors because like, Pastor, we didn't agree. So this is like, um, you know, Pastor is really looking at me with his eyes. One of God. Thank you, sir. And thank you, everyone. Please, I just want to say something because today, uh, today, today we establish a supernatural effect of what we want to do in the coming days. So that's why I want to establish that. So that's why uh, we're going to do some practicals today. Uh, I trust God. Okay. So why did I say identification in the final? Identification unifiers is when two events that has happened at two different times of history with different personalities are united in their theology, right? That's what I said. Did you get it? Now, not just that. They are united in their theology, united in their emphasis, and what they project. And what they project. So, did you get the definition? Okay. So, that means that as a Bible student, as Bible students, all of us, definitely, would have to look for something unifying. You know, we said two different times in history. Remember? So, that means it's not happening at the same time. Okay? So, we have to, we have to look at what is unifying, right, about that. I'm going to show you an example. I just want to give you this context. So, if something is happening in 1999, right, and something is happening in 2023, something will be common in those two events, right, that I will now be able to apply them together. Do you understand? That's the point of identification unifiers. Okay. So, let us see an example. And you're going to, if you understand the definition, then I'm going to, I, I, I would love if you can identify the unifier here. Matthew chapter 19. Go there. Matthew 19. It's very easy. Don't worry. It's not difficult. It's Matthew 19. You see it. But firstly, before you, before we identify what is unifying them, we want to first identify the timeline. Okay? Remember, there's a timeline in the definition, right? Okay. So, Matthew 19. Matthew chapter 19. Yep. 
Now, um, we'll read. So let's read from verse 3. Let's read from verse 3. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him. Please look at your Bible. Don't look at the screen. You have your Bible. Look at your Bible. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore, they are no more twine, but one flesh. What therefore God are joined together, let no man put asunder. Verse 7. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement and to put her away? Verse 8. He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. Amen. Now, I know I just read a lot of verses. But I want you to just pay attention to verse 8. Just verse 8. First and foremost, in verse 8, um, do you notice Jesus' statement in verse 8? Okay, let's, let's, let's put it, let's ask it this way. Let's ask it this way. What did Jesus explain to them? Yeah, yeah, talk, talk. Don't worry, talk. No, I'll just let, tell you to stop talking, sir, because I want to be fast. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mic, mic, mic. Someone should have a mic on. Uh-huh. Yes, yes, who is talking? Yes, Ella, huh? The purpose of um, divorce, why Moses will allow that. That's what Good, why Moses will allow that. the purpose of divorce. Very yeah. good. Now, but do you know, now, so, so Jesus refers to something in history, right? So that's history. So what of the what is the other timeline now? The present timeline. What is it there? What did Jesus now identify? That's Be verse eight. Beginning. No, verse eight. No. So look at verse eight. He says, just just look at this here. Everybody, look up. So you see, so he says, Moses, because of the hardness of of, but. Jesus is not talking, the, the, what Jesus is talking about is something that happened in the past, but yet identified the Pharisees that they had hardness of heart. Do you understand? So that means the identification unifier in this text is unbelief. God, Jesus used unbelief to identify what was going on in Moses' time and identify what, why the Pharisees asked him that question. He didn't say, because of the hardness of their art. You see, your art. Do you understand? So can you see the identification unifier here? So that means that sometimes when you are reading the Bible, do you understand this? Are you sure? Huh? Are you sure, guys? Is it confusing? Let me just, let me, give you, let me explain it again. Some people are looking at me in a very strange manner. There were two Things that happened. The Pharisees came and said, um, talking about divorce and marriage. And Jesus now said, okay, in the beginning, it was not so, right? That God decided that man and woman should marry. Divorce isn't bad. But because of unbelief, right, Moses gave a writing of divorcement. Now, did that event happen in the past? Good. If that event happened in the past, now notice the structure 
of Jesus' words. He did not say because of the hardness of their hearts. Right? He says because of the hardness of your heart. Talking to the Pharisees. Saying that the problem of the problem that they had, that Moses had, right, is the problem he is having with them, unbelief. Do you understand? Okay, I hope that, that, that clears it up better. Okay, so, <clears throat> so, write this down. So, when I'm reading the epistles, right, I'm reading the Old Testament in a shortened form. form. When I'm reading the epistles, I'm reading the Old Testament. Now, when we say Old Testament, what's that? Genesis to Malachi, very important. So, when I'm reading the epistles, I'm reading the Old Testament in a shortened form. <clears throat> so, this, way, this includes, please listen, this includes places like, places like what we don't like, like the sacrifices, you know, that lamb sacrifice, you know, those sacrifices that are in Leviticus, even the war, the wars that were happening in the Old Testament era, right? Now, there's something I want you to understand that there was no part, write this down, there was no part of the scriptures that the apostles did not teach from. There was no part of the scriptures that the apostles did not teach from. Meaning that they never blacklisted any part of the Bible. Please ensure you're writing. There's something on my face. Please ensure you're putting something down. There was no part of the scriptures that the apostles did not teach from. They never blacklisted any part of the Bible. For example, for example, did you read in Hebrews 11, right? You know that Hebrews 11, that um, hall of fame, what we call the hall of fame in the Bible, where they mentioned heroes of faith. Do you notice that in, the, in that reading, they mentioned the, the wars, right? The writer mentioned the wars that they fought. But do you notice that, that means, let's, 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 give, a, let's give a picture. That means that the apostles must have come to church, right? And start talking about the wars. But do you notice after they must have done that, none of them went out and picked up weapons. Do you understand? It will mean that the wars, as a biblical, or let's put it like this, as a gospel concept. Do you understand? As a gospel concept. Have you heard atheists argue with people that how can your God be so loving and yet kill the Amalekites? You don't understand what's going on. It's not about killing the Amalekites. Who are the Amalekites? Do you understand what I'm saying? Who are they? Did the gospel come to those people? The answer is yes. So there is a reason for the wars. I should explain that. That's not where I'm going. I'm sorry. But the gospel came to them. And an example, an example is, let me give an example. That, that can just give you an idea. Um, when God told Moses, right, to let the children of Israelites go, right, what Moses told Pharaoh is that I want my people to come so that they will come and worship me, right? So in other words, what Moses presented to Pharaoh, right, was the gospel. Now look at Moses, look at Pharaoh's response. He said, who is that God that I should worship? That's what Pharaoh said. Read it. It's in Exodus. Are you following what I'm saying? So, what Moses even presented to Pharaoh was the gospel. You will see it. I will talk about that one here. 
Something like that, sir. Amen. Are you following? Okay. So, so the writers included wars and they explained that wars as done in righteousness. Can read Hebrews 11, verse 34 to 35. You see there. Hebrews 11, 34 to 35. You see there. So, they, how they explained the wars in the Old Testament text, they explained it as in relation to being done in righteousness. 35. Mommy, look at me. 35. See. Women receive their dead orders in churches, not obtaining the name, but they must obtain a better resurrection. That's it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it means that, it means that, it means that we must broaden our understanding of the scriptures, right? By sitting where the early church sat, isn't it? For us to understand what they are talking about, we must sit where they sat to get what they are talking about. Amen? To understand the right interpretation of the biblical text. Are you following? Okay. So, <clears throat> now, okay, having said that, let's go to Matthew 16. Okay. Let's go to Matthew 16. So, yesterday, technically, I just finished yesterday's sermon. <laughs> I just, this part I didn't say, so I just wanted to say this. So, Matthew 16, and let's go to verse 13. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. So, we said something yesterday that... Jesus instructs us to read and study, right, in the light that is available in the Old Testament text. That is, we must read the Old Testament text. That is what Jesus, that, because that is Jesus' Bible, that's Jesus' Bible, that's his textbook. I remember I said that, that that's his textbook. So, and we said that, just like our pastor explained today, that there is no differentiation, really, between the Old Testament, right, and the New Testament. That, that was imputed, right, by translators. But it's no, there is no distinguishing in the books. Are you following? All right? There is no distinguishing in the books. So, now, that being the case, Now, if we have seen that, and we talked about, because I want to talk about codified language in a more explanatory form today. Now, the way the church read the Bible, right? The way they read their text, they didn't read the scriptures in segments. In segments. The only time they may have read it in segments, is when they wanted to give exhortations. For example, Jesus in Luke 4, right? Jesus in Luke 4, open Isaiah chapter 61, and he explained. But ideally, when they were reading, right, they often read the scriptures continually. Continually. Now, so in Matthew chapter 16, verse 16, 
He says, and Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. How did we explain Christ yesterday? We said that Christ refers to a function, an office. That is, what he will do, he will build a house. Right? That's what we said. He will build a house. Now, and we saw it from Jacob's vision, isn't it? We saw it from Jacob's vision. Now, and we saw that when Jacob saw that vision, he poured oil on it to sanctify and make that place sacred. Remember, what he saw was the family of God. So Jacob sanctified the family of God. Do you understand? Right? Jacob sanctified the family of God. Now, in Jesus was talking about this in John chapter 1. Jesus was talking about this scenario in John 1. Go there. About Jacob in John 1. In John 1. John chapter 1. Verse 51. John 1 51. He says, and he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter, you shall see heaven open, and the, and the angels of God descending and ascending upon the Son of Man. Is that not what we read in Genesis 28? Right. Now, Jesus is teaching here, and he's using that text to describe his resurrection, because that's what will happen at his resurrection. Right? That's what will happen at his resurrection. So in other words, right, at the resurrection of Christ, right, we will begin to see the families of God spreading across the earth from Jacob, Jacob's vision. Do you get that? Huh? Good. So, so that's why Jacob wakes up from his dream, right, from his dream and says, God is here. This is the house of God, the gate of heaven. Right? That's what he says. He prophesies. He says, for this is the house of God, this is the gate of heaven. The Bible says that he now sanctified it with oil. Now, I told you why Jacob used oil, right? Now, why did he use oil? Because that's his culture, isn't it? That's his culture. So, God borrows human language, and in borrowing human language, he will communicate his truth with the thinking of that person. I'll say that again. When God borrows a human language, he would communicate his truth still with the thinking of that person. That means that God does not... God does not superimpose his thoughts. God does not superimpose his thoughts. He would use man's thinking and even man's culture to communicate his words. So, that means that, listen guys, pay attention. 
as soon as Jacob used it, right, and God adopted it, as soon as that happened, every other instance of God's men, they had to be anointed, right, to show that this is how his family will be. They will be sanctified men. You didn't get that one. I can't repeat it. So, from this point, anointed will become a regular future in scriptures, right? In scriptures. Okay. Now. So, write this down, therefore. Write this down. Anointed can be, anytime I say anointed, I remember that brother, that his name is anointed. Every time I say that. Anointed can be defined as where God is, where God is, and what he is doing. Where God is, and what he is doing, what he is making use of. What he is making use of. Did I tell you the Hebrew word of the word anointed? Did I say it yesterday? Ah, thank you. I saw somebody nod their head, so I didn't say it yesterday. So, now... The Hebrew word of the word anointed is the word meshach. I said it, meshach. Now, meshach is where you have another word, Messiah, right? Messiah from, to anoint. Now, as we progress in the reading, we now begin to see that priests, right, in the Bible were also anointed, right? Priests were anointed. So, this is God adopting it, right? This is God adopting what Jacob did. Are, are, you, are you following? Okay. So, the oil will be poured on priests. So, let's ask this question. Please listen. Let's ask this question. Is the oil the sacred thing or God himself? God himself, right? Okay. So, the oil therefore becomes symbolic. The oil becomes symbolic. So, as twisted as that symbolism could is, right? God adopted it to show that these men are his men. Are you following? Okay. So, now, so Moses comes in. So, many years has passed, right? Moses now comes in. I want you to pay attention to this one now. Because it, it takes us to where we are going. Moses comes in and delivers the children of Israelites from Egypt. And they gather in the wilderness. And Moses now communicates the plan of God to the entire Israel. Look at what Moses says. Exodus 19. Go there. Exodus 19. So, this is before, this is before Moses anointed priests. What we're about to read now is before Moses anointed priests, God had already said this to Israel. So, in Exodus 19, verse 5, pay attention to verse 6. Verse 6 says, if you obey my voice, right, I have called you a nation of kings and what? 
and priest. Right? That's what he says. I have called you a nation of kings and priests. So that means what is God's plan for Israel? That the, the whole nation will be kings and priests. What we can say, we can say priestly kings. Right? Okay. Now, what happened to the children of Israel? Something happened to them. We have seen that they went into unbelief, right? Now, this statement is the gospel. God intends that his people will be kings and priests. Isn't it? But the children of Israelite went into unbelief. Right? So, when the children of Israel went into unbelief, what did Moses do? God still communicated that plan. But God did it differently. He now picked a tribe and made that tribe priest. That's not really the plan. But God still wants to communicate. Right? Then he picked a tribe, the Levites. What we know as the Levites. Right? And you know, some, people too, some people say, if you are a minister of the gospel, uh, you are from the Levite tribe. Keep quiet. There's nothing like that now. They are, they are in Israel. You understand? Me, I'm not a Levi by tribal. I'm from Oshun State. One crazy village like that. I'm not from Zion. I'm from Zion. Yeah, what you say? Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth is a place. Amen? I'm from Zion. Before you people say, hmm, I knew it. Okay, so, so in in their disobedience, right? In the disobedience of the children of Israelite, he picks the Levite tribe to be priests, right? And he picks Aaron as their high priest. I want you to note that Aaron was first called a prophet. Exodus 4. Go there. Exodus chapter 4. Let's see it. I'll just read that word, then um, I'll show you other places. Aaron was first called a prophet. Exodus 4. Exodus chapter 4, verse 14. He says, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is, is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well. That's the word there. Speak well. No. Okay, let me just, let's read it on. He says, And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he see thee, he will, he will be glad in his heart. No, that's not it. Sorry. Verse 15 is the way it's worded. He says, Thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth. And, and with his mouth, he will teach you what you shall do. And you, this is it. And you shall be thy what? Spokesman. That's the word prophets. Spokesman unto the people. Another place is Exodus 7 verse 1. Exodus 7 verse 1, where Aaron was called a prophet. So, Aaron... Is a prophet and a priest. Yes or yes? Good. So, so Moses poured oil, right, on his head too, right? Now, so we now see two categories of office of people that were anointed. We have priests, right, and we have prophets. Now, another category is kings. Kings. But first and foremost, I want you to see the instruction that God gave Moses for kings in Israel. I want you to see it. Deuteronomy chapter 17. 
Deuteronomy chapter 17. What I'm showing you here is that anointing or anointed is a function. It's an office. So that's why I'm showing you that when you see the anointed, what is coming out are offices. Priests, kings, prophets. That's what, is, what I'm trying to show you. So for every time you see anointed, what should come to your mind is a function. Something is being done. Or God is working in that place. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's what I want to show you. So, so look at Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 14. Deuteronomy chapter 17 verse 14. Now, it's a, quite a long read, but um, I'll be very fast. So follow with your eyes. When thou had come unto the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee and shall possess it and, <coughs> and shall dwell therein and shall say, I will set a king over me. No king has been found though, but Moses knows that they are very stubborn people. They want a king. That's the point. So he prophesies it. He says, I will set a king over me like as all the nations that are about me. Thou shalt in any wise set him king over thee, whom the Lord God shall choose. One from among thy brethren shall thou set king over thee Thou mayest not set a stranger over thee, which is not thy brother. But he shall, now pay attention. Pay attention to verse 16. But he shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord had said unto you, he shall henceforth return no more that way. 17. Neither shall he multiply wives to pay at Now, look at what Moses says. Verse 16 and verse 17. Do earthly kings do that? Eh? Yes. They multiply horses. They multiply wives. But Moses is saying that when you have a king, right, you must not do this. Why? Next verse. See. He says, and it shall be, verse 18, when he sits upon the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write him a copy of the law in the book, out of that which which is before the priest of the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall what? He shall read therein all the days of the life. That word read in the Hebrew has the word chich. So that means Moses called God's own king a teacher. A teacher. So he would give so when somebody becomes a king in Israel, he is not called to do like the king, the kingdom of this world, right? He is called to act like the kingdom of God or like a king in God's kingdom. Are you following? He will teach the law. Remember, we have said what law is. It's not legalism. Remember? So he will be a teacher. So he says, he says, he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord is God, to keep all the words of his law and this statutes to do them. That his heart be not lifted up above his brethren, that he turn aside from the commandments. Of... Now, let's stop. Listen, guys. Do we have a king like that? Eh? Jesus. Jesus. When Jesus came, he's not the king. Where did he teach from? The law. Are you following? So, Jesus is that king. 
that Moses is saying that every king must copy in Israel. One king messed up, Solomon. Everything that Moses just said, he did it. He multiplied wives, he multiplied horses. But he's in Christ. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> Praise God. So, now, so you see that in the, the offices of the anointing is that they serve, right? They serve. Isn't it? Amen. Are you with me, guys? Is everybody here? Okay. So, so, now, so something happened 100 years later. They came to meet Samuel. And they shouted, Samuel, give us a king. Samuel, give us a king. Prophet Samuel. Now, Samuel teaches us, if you read it, Samuel teaches us that they rejected God. Because why? Samuel said that you have rejected God who is your king. Right? Because everything that is here, God will do, be doing it for them. Abi? <laughs> so, but somebody, somebody now said that they have rejected God. So, even when they rejected God, what did God do? He still gave them that king. Right? Again, God still uses that human culture. Because at the end of the day, he will now create another king, David. Right? That will be an example of a king Jesus, of, of himself, that is coming. Are you following what I'm saying, guys? Huh? Okay. So, <clears throat> sorry, this fan is blowing a bit. Okay. So, <clears throat> now, let's see an example still of Saul here. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 10. So, there were things that were not perfect, right, in the Old Testament, but God will still use it to pass across his message, right? So, that means that, and please write this down, that means that God accommodates human nuances, human religion and culture to pass across his word. Say that again. God accommodates human nuances, religion, or culture to pass across his word. So he chose priests, he chose kings for them, which originally they were not in his will, right? No, we have seen that, right? We saw that, right? Originally, priests, God didn't want to choose a particular tribe as priests, but because of unbelief, he did that, right? And he will use those priests to still communicate his plan. Do you understand? The same thing for kings. So in 1 Samuel chapter 10, 1 Samuel chapter 10, I want you to just... I want you to see something there in 1 Samuel chapter 10. First Samuel chapter 10. Verse 1 and 2. Let's read verse 1. Then Samuel took a veil of oil and poured it upon his head. This is Saul. It's about Saul here. He says, and kissed him and said, is, is is it not because the Lord had anointed thee to be the captain over his inheritance? When thou art departed from me today, thou shalt find two men by Rachel's sepulchre in the border of Benjamin at Zelziah, and, uh, and they will say unto thee, The asses which thou wentest to seek are found, and lo, thy father had left the care of the asses and saw it. Now, so Saul here was anointed, right? Now, did the oil come before God chose him? 
Let me say that again. Pay attention to that question. Did the oil come before God chose him? No. God had chosen him first, right? God had said he would be the king. You understand? So, the oil, what I'm trying to say is that the oil was never used as the spirit of God. Right? The oil was never used as the spirit of God. Now, in verse 5, in verse 5 of First Samuel 10, you will see that Samuel said that when you get to the hill of God, if you read verse 5, you see there, it says, when you get to the hill of God, you will meet a company of prophets coming down, singing, and thou shalt what? Prophesy. Verse 6 now says, let's read verse 6 now. It says, and the spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with them, and thou shalt be turned into another man. So Samuel said that the spirit of God will come upon, he didn't talk about the oil. So again, the oil is a human culture only used to symbolize what is sacred. The oil is a human culture only used to symbolize things that are sacred. But what is important again with Samuel, um, with Saul here, is that as he is called anointed, he also now has the ability to prophesy. Right? He could what? Prophesy. Are you saying that? So, now, David, 1 Samuel 16. Go there. 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel 16. Are you there? Verse 12. Verse 12. So David was anointed king. Let's read verse 13. Verse 13 is one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went. So he says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him, not the oil. Amen? Again, the oil was a symbol. Right? Okay. So that means... Once a man has, once a man have the spirit of God, he has come into the office of the anointed. He's in a sacred office. He's in a sacred office. I like to call it, he's in the office of the prophetic. That's how I like to call it. He comes into the office of a prophet. You say, why? Because all the men that God used in the Old Testament, they are largely called prophets. Yes or yes? Amen? Are you there? So, when a man is anointed, or better still, when a man has the Spirit of God, amen? When a man has the Spirit of God, he has come into the office of a prophet. Amen? Because the Spirit of God is on him. Are you following some of you are looking at me. Please write to us if you can. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So, so how many people were anointed in the Bible? We have kings, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. Prophets. Good. So, so, so when you hear anointed, what comes to your mind is a function. That means the function of a priest, the function of the prophets. And the function of a king. 
Psalm 110. Let's look at Jesus now. Psalm 110. Focus on Jesus here in Psalm 110. Stay with me, guys. We have, we have a lot to cover today, but just stay with me. Psalm 110. Are you there? Verse 1. Um, uh, let's read. Okay, verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit down at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thy enemies. The people shall be willing the day of the power and the beauty of holiness from the womb of the morning as thou was the dew of thy youth. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent. Thou art a priest, right, forever after the order of Melchizedek. The word Melchizedek means king of righteousness. That's what Melchizedek means. King of righteousness. He is also a priest. So look at David saying, David says, you shall be called after the order of Melchizedek. Now, what is that order? The order that makes you a king and a priest. So when he says, you shall be called after the order of Melchizedek, who is Melchizedek? Melchizedek is a king and a priest. So, there is an order that we can be called by. Right? That order that we can be called by is what? That when, when you're called by that order, you will be both a king and a priest. Do you, do you follow? So that means that in Christ, let's, let me just go to the end and come back. In Christ, right? In Christ, the believer, right, is after this order. He is both a king and a priest. Praise God. Okay, so, <clears throat> now, now, no, I said something about, that is, is um, I, just told, I just said something that this is talking about Christ, right? Now, remember, what did we say Christ is? We said Christ is the son of David, remember, right? So that means that the son of David, right, that's Jesus, would be a priest and a king too. Right? That king and a priest, what is he going to do? He will establish a family. He will build an household. Now, also remember that his household will fill the whole earth. Right? His out, the household will fill the whole earth. Now, <clears throat> so, now, if, the, if his household will fill the whole earth, Will the family inherit, right? Will the family inherit that office? Good. Remember, uh, I said something about singular and plural yesterday. The seed is, remember that pattern. Okay, very important. So, look at Deuteronomy 18 again. Let's go back to the law of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Verse 15. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from thy brethren, like unto me. Unto him you shall hack him. Who is that? Who is that? Christ. Are you seeing that? Okay, that's Christ. 
I will read. See, let me, let me just digress a bit. Just digress a bit. You see, the problem of other, some, like for example, Islam, right? One of the problems is that when they talk about Christ or Jesus Christ, they just see him as a prophet. They say, oh, he's a prophet and everything. But they don't see him, right, as a priest. You see, because the priestly office of the Christ is when he laid down his life. You understand? That's the priestly office. And that priestly office is defined as the savior. Are you following? So, this is what I said. That is why, that is the distortion, right? It is because, that's why I say Islam is, is a satanic faith. Yes, I'm that extreme on it. Because it is so veiled that you can tell that somebody copied something and quickly just package one book and say something, somebody, something's appeared to him and say this is the real book. No. Understand because there are many things that that guy copied, right? That you will know that Abba, just read our own, you will be okay. Amen. So, what I'm saying this is to tell you that when you look at Jesus, right? When you look at Jesus, who is God, what you see is offices is that you see that he is a king, right? He is a priest, right? And he is a prophet. He is a prophet. Amen. He is a prophet. So, now, of course, by virtue of his redemptive work, his kids, permit me to use that, his kids will inherit those offices. This is what it means to be joint heirs with Christ. We inherit his office. There is no money there. Don't let anybody to somebody say, there's one, there's one guy and that people, you know, I don't know how people wish You know, I used to say something that maybe I will start doing videos too on Instagram. Because a lot of people follow some people on Instagram. I say, ah. And you see people say, glory, amen. Somebody said on Instagram that, you know, he read something in scripture. That, first of all, he said something like that, that. That's what connected him to everlasting prosperity. Money, just money. That God was... So me and I went to read that scripture. Well, lie. I did not see any. Ah, because me, I want to feel to. I need money. So I said, maybe I've not, I don't know. So I went to read it. And I, I said, ah, Abba. You know? So when you know, sometimes that kind of thing, you'll be disappointed. You know, because, ah, I wish it was this way I can. But, key into it. but it didn't work. <laughs> Amen. So let's read verse 18. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 18, verse 18. I want you to see what Moses says in 18. He says, I will raise them up a prophet from among what? Among what? Thy brethren. Of thy brethren. That word of thy brethren here means this prophet will be a child of Abraham. Right? Because the brethren is the children of Israel, right? So, from the loins of Abraham will come a prophet, right? Also, from the loins of Abraham will come kings. Listen, every time I say, listen now, every time I say, from the loins of Abraham will come king, prophet, let your mind go to Jesus and his family. Amen? Do you get it now? That's how to read it. So, you understand that when you see kings, like King David is 
an example of the king. Are you following? When you see prophets like Jeremiah, like Daniel, is an example of the prophets. When you see you, you are an example of Christ. Are you following? Okay, good. So that's very important. Okay, so. So. So when God called Israel from Egypt, those three functions that we just saw, prophets, priests, and kings, were given to them, right? Israel, they were called to be his prophets, right? The whole nation of Israel, right? Now, why would God intend that the whole nation of Israel will be called his prophets? What does prophet mean? Spokesperson. That is, you speak on behalf of someone. That's what prophet is. You understand? It doesn't, prophet doesn't, doesn't mean that they are telling you you ate jollof rice yesterday. Okay. If anybody tells you you ate jollof rice, you should not be surprised. Don't you want to eat jollof rice? You should, yes, you should not be surprised. Don't say, how did you know? <laughs> I, told, I told a friend of mine a joke. You know, I was just studying, and I told a friend of mine this joke that, you know, there's this social media guy that he gave a prophecy. When he now gave the prophecy, now drop it. <laughs> eh? Is it? <laughs> it's not a fake. It's a real person. It happened. In the church. Eh. No, no, no. I know it. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm coming with a joke. I know it happened. But I'm coming. And I told my friend that. Imagine Jesus giving a prophecy. And he just tells Peter. Jesus, and he drops his mic and says, Ah, you are not. <laughs> my point is, I don't know where we, I don't, I don't, honestly, I don't. You see, when you see such things, that's a red flag. You understand? I'm not saying the guy may not be a prophet. Maybe I'm saying that, but. <laughs> the point is, we don't, we don't see that example from the Lord, right? Don't you think that Jesus gave prophecies in his work? He did. He said things that will happen after he's raised from the dead. He was prophesying. There was no time he walked out on Peter and said, there, there now. Amen? Abi, do, you, do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> anyway, let's just go on quickly because of time. So, so Israel were called to be his prophets, right? Now, they were called to be his prophet to speak to, listen, I'm telling you this is why God called Israel. God called Israel so that they will be his spokesperson to speak to the entire world. To the entire world about the God of Israel. But they failed in that office. Are you seeing that? They failed in that office. They did not believe. So write this down. And I think it will bless you. Faith in Christ is not just salvation. Faith in Christ is a call into the ministry of God. Faith in Christ is not just salvation. It's a call into the ministry of God. You say, how do I know that? The deliverance of Israel from Egypt. Is that not redemption? And in redemption, God now gave them an office. And they said, we don't want. 
That's what they said. We don't want. So they failed in that. So that means the moment you get born again, you have an unction. I don't know why I'm using the word unction today. I guess it's because I was listening to the pastor. You know but you are called of God, right? You are sealed by the Spirit. The Spirit of God is upon you. Amen? Amen? So that means prophecy, right, is something that is natural to you. Are you following now? Prophecy is something that is natural to you. You don't have to prepare. You don't necessarily have to speak in tongues for 10 hours before you say, I have a word. No. You are called into that function. Amen? Praise God. Are you following? Okay. So, now, remember again, don't forget. Don't forget the seed principle. It starts with one, and then what? Multiplies. Right? And that multiplication is found in one. You must not forget that thing. Yeah? That's our memory verse to do. <laughs> Praise God. So, which means the promise, the promise will be found in one. And then many, right? The promise will be found in one and then many. And then from many to one. Do you get it? The promise will be found in one and then many. And then from many to one. So, when Peter said, you are the Christ. Can we change it to say, you are the prophet? Are we going to be wrong? Good. Can we change it to say, you are the king? Huh? Good. Can we say you are the prophet? So when Jesus now say, and when you say, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Jesus is saying, you are the church. You are the family. That's it. That's it. Jesus is teaching from Genesis 28, Jacob's dream. Do you understand? Okay. So, <clears throat> so now, remember the, the woman at the well, right? Remember that woman at the well, right? That that, that the woman talk, told Jesus that they, they were expecting a prophet that should come. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I am the one. So Jesus did not even deny that he's a prophet. He said it. Amen? Okay, good. So, and that woman, when she said that to Jesus, that woman was quoting where we just read, Deuteronomy 18, that God will raise a prophet. Isn't it? Okay. So, <clears throat> so having seen that, let's, let's, let's move on quickly. Now, go, go to Matthew 16. Let's just leave that. So, don't forget, Jesus is the prophet, he is the priest, and he's the king. Right? Okay. So, go back to Matthew chapter 16. Again, I want to say this again. Don't forget the principle of the seed. Right? The seed. The seed has seeds. Hmm? It starts with one, then a nation. Right? One and one. A nation. A family. Okay. Remember, because I want you to say, say this. I think it has been lost in teaching. When we say family or household, we're talking about that's where God is. Remember? So when we say the family of God, we're not just saying we are so named by God. No, we are saying that God is in us. Amen? That's what we're saying. God is in us. So it's very important. Don't lose that. That's why we are called the family of God. Because God is in us. God dwells among us. That's if, as a church now. But God is in us individually. Do you understand? It's very important. So, so back to Matthew 16. 
Now, remember in Matthew chapter 1 verse 16, where we said the book of the generation of the seed of Abraham and of David, right? So we can change that. We can, you know, make it sound like this. That what God promised Abraham, right, is a priest, a king, and a prophet, right? Good. So, <clears throat> now, let us see something now. Now, I've gotten to part two of what I want to tell you now. Matthew 16. Are you there? So, listen, guys. How did we address the issue of Christ? How did we do it? How did we explain it? Went to the Old Testament, right? We looked at it. We saw it. Now, we want to see another thing that Peter said to Jesus. Like that, too. Matthew 16. Verse 16. So, Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When Peter says he's the son of the living God, where do we go to understand that statement, son of the living God? Where do we go? The Old Testament. Don't, don't say it. Remember, we want to sit where Jesus, there, just, in, just in this five catechismos, don't think of the epistles. You may think of the synoptic, but don't think of the epistles. We always want to go back to the, because we want to sit where they sat. Right? So Peter says, you are the son of the living God. So we have to go to the Old Testament. Now, listen carefully. In reading the Old Testament, there were different people called sons of God. There were different people called sons of God. Please listen attentively here. The, the, the Hebrew word of the word son. The Hebrew word of the word son is the word benin. B-E-N-E. Benin. And oftentimes, when you hear, so when you say sons of God, we are taught, if you want to say that in Hebrew, you will say it is benin Elohim. Right? Benin Elohim. That is sons of God. So, is, is that clear so far? Huh? Good. So when we say, when we say before Jesus, when we say before Jesus, there were other sons of God. What I'm trying to say is that before God became a man, because that is Jesus, right? So before God became a man, there were other sons of God referred to in scriptures, right? Okay, I'm, we're going to see. So let us see a bit of that. Pay attention here, I use God to bless you. Psalm 82. Psalm 82. Psalm 82, verse 6. Look at verse 6. I have said, you are what? You are what? Gods. And all of you are children of the most high. Okay, this KJV says, thou, ah, okay. You must confuse me. So he says, I have said, you are gods, and all of you are the children of the most high. The word children in verse 6 
is the word sons, right? In the Hebrew, sons. So we can change it to sons of the most high. So he says, I have said you are God and all of you are children of the most high. Now, an interesting fact is that Jesus made reference to this text in John 10. And all of some people have misconstrued and say, hey, we are God. We are but there's a, a big error. Oftentimes, when you, if you are trying to confess God's word, and this is what you are confessing, you don't know what you are confessing on yourself. Oh. Because these people, let's use the word people for now, they are terrible people. And I'm going to show you. You will see it. So be careful not to say you are, you are God. Don't say that. Oh. You will see it. So Jesus made reference to this. Right? In John chapter 10. Let's see John 10. John chapter 10. So the background of John 10 is that the Pharisees were angry with him. That how can you call yourself God? Right? That's the background. Or how can you call yourself the son of God? Basically, in John 10. So, in John 10, Jesus says in verse 30, I and my father are one. Right? Good. Then in 32, what happened in 32 is that they attempted to stone him. Right? They attempted to stone him. So, verse 33, he said, the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we stoned thee not, but, but, but for blasphemy, because that thou, being a man, maketh thyself what? God. So, now, I just want to say something here. When he says the Jews wanted to stone him, please, I'm begging you. I don't want us to have um, a general, generalization that the Jews, all the Jews rejected Christ. No. It's not all of them. I mean, we are reading from John. John understand? Paul, Peter, they are all Jews, right? So it would be wrong to have a generalization that it's all Jews, right, that rejected, but they were Jews that rejected Jesus, right? Huh? Are you following? Okay. So, so like, like what we have been doing so far, all the interpretation we have been making in these meetings, they are all from Jewish men, right? So it's not all of them that rejected the Lord, okay? But certain people rejected him, right? So let's go back to sons of God. So in John 10, look at 34. He says, is it not written in your law? I said, you are gods. If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came. We're reading John 10. Unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken. Now, in other words, Jesus is saying, please, let me just give you a bit of what we are talking about, then we'll read it together. Jesus is saying that, why are you angry, right, that I'm calling myself the son of God? Because, don't, have you not read, or is it not in the scriptures, that there were people who were also called sons of God? That is a part of that interpretation. So now, let's find the B part by reading. Okay? Do you get it? So Jesus is saying that I can come, first of all, Jesus is saying, I can call myself the son of God. Because if you read the scriptures, there are people who are called the sons of God. Are you getting that now? So that's A. So let's read the B part. Psalm 82 back. Let's go back to Psalm 82. Psalm chapter 82. What I just explained, did you see it too? Eh? Did you see it too? Okay, it's important that you see it too. Please, it's important. Psalm 82. 
chapter 82, verse 1. Let's read from verse 1. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judged among the gods. Now, in that place, that verse 1, we have the word Elohim used twice in that verse 1. Elohim is used twice in that verse 1. Now, Elohim in the Hebrew Bible, right, is not used for one person only. Again, it's sometimes, depending on the context, sometimes, depending on the context, Elohim does not imply men. Okay? It doesn't, when the word Elohim is used, Sometimes it does not imply men. That is depending on the context, right? In this Psalm 82, he is not referring to men. I'm going to show you. Are you following? Huh? Okay. Did you get that? Huh? No. Yes or no? Okay. So, please don't just say yes so that I can hurry up. <laughs> okay. So, verse, verse Psalm 82 says, God said in the congregation of the mighty, he judged among the gods. Now, the word gods, you know, in our world today, the word gods will refer to something like idols or carved images, right? And figurines. But in the Bible language, right? The Bible language, the word gods refer to real beings. Supernatural beings. So he's saying... God judges among supernatural beings. Some Bible theologians call it God judges among the divine counsel. That's some theologians call it like that. I don't really subscribe to that, but that's fine. But the point is, he's saying that God judges among supernatural beings. Psalm 82. Are you saying that? When he says he judges among the gods. Now, I have not said angels. I have not called these beings angels. Why? Because angels, when that word is used, it is not referring to a specific person. It's also a descriptive terminology. Are you following? Let us see. An angel, let me say that again. Angel isn't a specific person. It is a descriptive terminology. Anyone, anyone who carries a message is termed an angel. Let us see some text to see what we're saying. Go to. Genesis 32. What I said is that in Psalm 82, I've not referred to those supernatural beings as angels. That's what I said. Okay? I've not said angels are not supernatural beings. Amen? Okay. <laughs> Important. But the point is that angels are people or beings. Is, not beings. Anyone, basically 
who carries a message. Psalm 32. Let's see something in Psalm 32. Okay, before Psalm, no, sorry, before Psalm 32, Genesis 32, sorry. Let us see Genesis 48. Let me just show you something in Genesis 48. Genesis chapter 48. Genesis 48, verse 15. Genesis 48, verse 15. And, and he blessed Joseph and said, God, please read the seeds. God, before whom my father Abraham Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long until this day. Verse 16, what do you say? Uh-huh. Bless the Lord. Let my name be named on them and the name of my father, Abraham and Isaac. Did Jacob just call God himself an angel? Uh-uh. Let's read it again. And he blessed Jacob. Sorry, and he blessed Joseph. And said, God, right? Before whom my father, Abraham, Isaac did work. The God which fed me, the God, right, which fed me all my life long until this day. The angel is still saying the same thing in the reading. He has not, he's not enjoying the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads. So God Himself was called an angel. Why? Because he carried a message. Are you there? Don't worry, I'll show, I'll show you other ones. Don't worry, I'll show you other ones. So, now I've not said God is an angelic being. Mm-mm. An angel is a descriptive terminology. It is anyone who carries a message. Exodus, um, Genesis 32. Genesis 32. You see now. Genesis 32. Verse, now let's read from verse 1. I just want to show you something, verse 1. He says, and Jacob went on his way, and the what? And the angels of God met him. And when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place, verse 3 now, look at verse 3. And Jacob what? Huh? Do you know that that word messengers to his angels? So, in verse 1 and 2, are we seeing two descriptions? Eh? Messengers in verse 3 are human beings who? Eh? But in verse 1, they are not. Are you there? Eh? Okay. So, can you see it? Can you see it? Please see it too. Let's see another one. Numbers. Numbers. So, what, what am I showing? I'm showing you how to qualify when you see an angel. You qualify it within the context. Right? So, you don't quickly say, you don't quickly run and say, oh, that's, mm-mm. What is that being saying? What are they carrying? Is it God or something else? Okay. So, Numbers 20. Numbers 20. Numbers chapter 20, verse 14. 14. And Moses sent what? Messengers from where? Is it supernatural beings? No. 
He sent them to go and spy that land. You understand? That word messengers are, are angels. That's numbers there. So, <clears throat> so, the word angels in the Hebrew is the word malak. M-A-L-A-K. Malak. In the Greek is the word angelos. A-N-G-E-L-O-S. So, when you see the word angels, right, you have to find out who is this angel, right? You have to ask that question, who is this, right? Amen? Okay, so, so angel simply refers to anyone who carries a message. When God personally delivers his message to you, right, he is the angel of that message. Are you following that? He is the angel of that message. So, again, so that means what's an angel? An angel is a messenger. So, when Jesus came as a servant, is he a, was he a messenger? He was. So, that's not the first time he's been a messenger. Do you understand? He said, how do we, I just showed you Genesis 48, right? There, is, there was a messenger that appeared to Jacob that delivered him and that redeemed him. Right? And Jacob said he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isn't it? So, when, so Jesus is not the first, that was not, when Jesus, when God became a man, called Jesus, that was not the first time he is being a messenger or a servant. Amen? Okay. So, look at Exodus 3. Quickly, go there now. Exodus chapter 3. Exodus 3. Exodus 3, verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a way, in a flame, of fire out of the midst of the bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was born with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not born. What did they say in verse 4? And when the Lord saw, so who saw? The Lord. What he had called angel, he called it the Lord now, right? Good. He said, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, what was the next thing he called it again? God called. Are you seeing that? God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. And Moses said, Moses, here am I. Now look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. Verse 6 is what shows us. Let's read verse 6 together. One to go. Uh-uh. Wait, wait, wait. Read, let's read it like anointed people now. Please. Very well. Verse 6 again. Go. Moreover, you said, uh-huh. Amen. It's okay, it's okay. So, he says, so Moses said he was afraid to look upon God. That's just Moses' commentary. You understand? Just leave that. But the point is, the angel that he called angel of the Lord, he called him the God of what? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is that Yahweh? Is that Yahweh? Good. So, the angel who Moses saw is Yahweh, God himself. So, notice there were instances, right? There were instances where God was described as an angel. What does that mean? Meaning that he had a message. Are you there? Good. 
Let me tell you something. Everything that God calls us to be, he has done it. Everything he calls us to be, he has done it. You see, that should humble you. <laughs> you don't get it. That should humble you. If the moment you feel too big to be a minister of the gospel, it's a great, it's a great problem. Because the creator of the heavens and the earth has done it. Do you understand? That is why it's a huge calling. Amen? It's a huge calling. God has done it. He didn't just do it in the Old Testament in these appearances. He now also did it physically. Amen? Say I'm not proud. Say I'm not proud. <laughs> Somebody asked a question one day on social media that if God is real, why is it that he cannot just appear on the earth now? Somebody now responded. <laughs> well, he has already done that. <laughs> That's true. Don't even add it. That because he has already done that, he, also, he has also multiplied himself on the edge. So the guy could not respond. I'm like, well, that's a shut up answer anyway. There's nothing to say. <laughs> Amen. So, look at Jacob also. Uh, let's just, just reference that. Genesis 32, verse 24 to 30. You will see that Jacob said, I have seen God face to face. Right? Genesis 32, verse 24 to 30. Now, if Jacob, to, if Jacob could say, I have seen God face to face. And you know, Jacob knew of other beings, right? Right? Jacob knew of other beings that were not God. I mean, we just saw one. I showed you now. Genesis 10. Amen? In case you're looking for that reference again, if you didn't pay attention the last time, Genesis 32, verse 1 and 2. You see there that he called angels of God and he called it them host, right? Host, host there, that word host refers to an army, like soldiers. Soldiers. That is very different from what he would say in verse 24 and 30. Are you there? Is it clear? So the, what, what am I making about angels? The point is, when you see the word angels, read it in context to qualify it. Amen? That's the point. So, we are looking at Psalm 82, are we? Okay, let's go back there. Psalm 82. 
So, okay, no, before we go back there, sorry. Let me just qualify what we just, defend, I mean, give, let's bury this one. We go to Exodus 23, Exodus 23, Exodus 23, verse 20. Exodus 23, verse 20. I like this one so much because this text bothered me a lot before. This text, that's what I want to show you. This text, what I'm about to show you now, it bothered me a lot. And I'm going to show you an interpretation just now. So Exodus 23, are you there? Are you there? All right. Exodus 23. He said, Behold, I send an angel before thee. Verse 20. Sorry, I didn't tell you that. Verse 20. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Beware of him and obey his voice and provoke him not. Now, this is why it gave me a problem. <laughs> because I, I felt that when he says angel, I'm like, and he says provoke him not. Because if you read the next thing, he will deal with you if you provoke him. So I felt that, like, ah, this cannot be God. Now God is patient, is loving, and things like that. So later I now began to study that, okay, what does he mean to provoke God, right? What does he mean? So that gave me the answer to the time I'm going to show you. Because this, this angel here is God. Amen? It's God. God. So, he says, behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way. He said, beware of him. And I'll, I'll show you why he's God now. Beware of him. Obey his voice. Provoke him not. For he will not pardon your transgression for my name is in him. This is the issue. When I read that he will not pardon transgression, I said, this cannot be God. Because God pardons transgressions. Right? But the next phrase now says it is God. He says, for my name is in him. So I say, hi. What am I going to do? Before they say, I'm not more a preacher of grace. <laughs> so I'm going to look at it now. I'll show you the answer to that very soon. Now, the word name, when it says name, let's explain that one. The word name in Hebrew is the word Shem. S-H-E-M. It means reputation. It means character. It means reputation. Or character, or the person. So when he says, my name is in him, he's saying, my character is in him. My person is in him. But Moses had said, do not provoke him, for he will not pardon transgression. Now, the word to provoke means to grieve, to cause to be bitter. That's the word provoke. That means if somebody is provoked, right? Somebody has done something to him, right? Right? So the question will now be, how is God provoked? Right? Yeah? That by that provocation, it hinders him from forgiving sins. Yeah? Right? So we have to ask, how is God provoked? Because when he is provoked, he cannot. Okay, so are you following? Okay, good. So, so now the word provoke, if you read, we're not going to read so much, but if you read, the word provoke would mean to not obey his voice. Now, what does that tell you? Is that an indication of unbelief? Huh? Good. 
That's an indication of unbelief. Now, if we, if we, now let's just, let's say, let's come back to, because we have the epistles, amen? Praise God. We're now in our own times. We have left them. We have the epistles now. If you read the epistles, you will see, I'm not going to show you. Uh, I'm not going to read it anyway. If you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, right, verse 5 to 10, you will see that Paul talks about the day of provocation, right? A day of provocation. Same thing in Hebrews chapter 3, right? There is a day of provocation. That day of provocation is the day that the children of Israelite disbelieve. They refuse to obey the gospel. Hebrews 3 verse 8 to 12, right? So, what is provocation therefore? Unbelief, thank you. Provocation is unbelief. Okay, so, <clears throat> now, so, I just showed you that to help your mind. But let us go back to their church, okay? Their own days, okay? Now, let's see Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Psalm 78. Psalm 78, verse 40. Psalm 78, verse 40. So, it says, How oft did they provoke, that's often, how often did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert? Next verse. Slow. Yea, they turned back and tempted what? God. And limited the Holy One of Israel. He said, he limited. That means he could not do what he wanted to do, right? So he said they limited the Holy One of Israel. Verse 42, right? They remembered not his hand, nor the day when he delivered them from the enemy. Now go to verse 22 of the same text. Verse 22 of the same text. He says, because they what? Uh, the guy is not there. Because they what? They believed not in God. And trusted not in his salvation. So, when he says, my angel, do not provoke him. God is saying, don't be in unbelief. Because if you are in unbelief, I will not be able to forgive. Amen? So, do you understand it? So, that angel is still God. Amen? Praise God. Do you get it? Aha. So, <clears throat> so again, angel... Angel isn't a particular being. It's a description. We can call it a job description of someone, right? So, now the reason for this is because I want to tell, I'm saying this because Jesus was an active participant of the event of the Old Testament. All these things, where he says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That is Jesus. Right? That is Yeshua, who in the Old Testament was called Yahweh. Are you following? So he's an active participant. Remember, I told you this. That Jesus isn't a promised person. He's not. He's only promised in his humanity. Jonathan. What was promised is God becoming a man. Amen? But he is not promised in his activities. Amen? He is not promised in his activities. Are you following, guys? Huh? Okay. So, back to some, all those things. 
back to Psalm 82. So, when we say God standing in the congregation of the mighty, he judges among the gods. Don't be too quick to say those are angels, like some beings. No. We have to know who they are. Now, let us go to Psalm 89. David said something there about this thing. Psalm 89 that we're looking at. Psalm 89 verse 6. First, Psalm 89 verse 6. He says, For who is in the heavens? For who in the heaven can be compared unto the Lord? Who among the what? Sons of the mighty can be likened unto the Lord. So, he says, sons of the what? Mighty. Now, this scenario is referring to a supernatural world. How do we know? For who in the heavens? Right? So, this is a supernatural world. A world of the unseen. Are you following? He says, can be compared unto the Lord. Who among the sons of the mighty? Sons of the mighty is the same word, right, as the sons of God. Sons of the most high. Are you following, please? Same word. The word mighty here is the word El, E-L, E-L. It's from the same word Elohim, right? Same word Elohim. It simply means spiritual beings or spirits. Right? Spiritual beings or spirits. And these supernatural beings were called sons of God. Remember, let me let me give you let me, let me just give you some, something you can think of. Why are we going this route? Peter says you are the Christ, the son of the living God, right? And I'm showing you why this is so important because there were other people called, right, sons of God. So we must do a distinction, right, between that which, right, are sons of God and the son of God. Are you following? Huh? So it's very important because that's how we will know who we will know the office of the anointed, of the Christ. Huh? Amen? Very important. Okay. <clears throat> so, so this, like I said here, the sons of the mighty, they are spiritual beings, spirit. They are supernatural beings. And they were called sons of God. Now let's read Psalm 82. Again. Now we're reading now. We're reading this one. Psalm 82. God standing in the congregation of the mighty, he judged among the gods. Now pay attention. He says, how long will you judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Eh? Are you reading with me? Okay. Deliver the poor and needy. Read them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not. Neither will they understand. They walk in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Let's stop. Listen. Let me tell you what is happening. So, there are supernatural beings, right, that God created and God gave them something to do, right? God gave them an activity to do. 
But something is happening here by the prophets. The prophet is discussing that these beings did not act in their office. Amen? They did not perform the duty that God gave them. How long will you what? Judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked. That means in their activities, right, they, they praised or they took favor from those who are wicked on the earth. Amen? You will see that it's on the earth, right? You will see soon. Are you following? Okay. Now, he says, he now says, defend the poor and the fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and the needy. This was their responsibility that they did not do. They didn't defend the poor. They didn't defend the fatherless. They didn't do justice to the afflicted and needy. Right? He says, they know not. Neither will they understand. So what were they doing? They walked on where? In darkness. On the foundation. You can see it's the head, right? On the foundation. Out. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. Now, listen carefully. These beings, they were on the earth. Their interactions were with men. Right? By their interactions, they disorganized. I will show you. Don't worry. They disorganized the earth. Are you following? They disorganized the earth. They influenced man to disorganize the earth. So what does God do? God pronounced judgment on them. Amen? God pronounced judgment on them. He says, I have said you are gods. And so you can see that that's not a positive confession. It's not a positive confession. These are beings that are in disobedience. Amen? Amen? So he says, I have said you are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. Verse 7. Look at what verse 7 says. He says, but what? But you shall die like what? They are not men. Are you saying that? They are not men. So what God will do, therefore, is that God will cut off spiritual life from them. That's what he will do. He will take it from them. Say, because you have judged unjustly. That's judgment. Are you following? So this is God pronouncing judgment on these spirit beings. So he said they will die like men. And like what? Like one of the princes. You fall like one of the princes. He says, arise, O God, and judge the earth. For thou shalt inherit all where? Nations. In other words, listen, listen carefully. We are going, I'm going to show you something. It means that, probably the next session. But it means that these spirits were giving charge over the earth, right? To help man. But they walked in disobedience. So God says, I will take, I will take it from them. Right? I will take it from them. By taking it from them, what, what, will, now, what will be God's action? He will now reign on the earth himself. Are you following? Huh? So, now, so why did Jesus quote this? Right? Why did Jesus quote it? Jesus is quoting that if there were people who were called sons of God and they were in disobedience, me, that is doing good works, why can't I call myself the son of God? That's what John 10 is saying. Are you following? Do you get it? You didn't write it. Amen? 
Like, you don't understand. Let me give you what to write. <laughs> you write. So, by reading Psalm 82 from 1 to 7, these beings were not human beings. Abi? Good. You saw that now? Is that statement is not a figure of speech? You will die like men. They will die like men. Spiritual life will be taken away from them. Amen? So he says, so they were not human beings. So, if you want to write this, you can write this. We had supernatural beings that God created who were called sons of God. Can you, did we see that? Right? Did we see that? And these beings had capacity to do his will and capacity to disobey. I'll say that again. These beings had capacity to do his will and capacity to disobey. This example we just read is that they disobeyed, isn't it? Right? So God is judging them. Right? He's judging them. So, Jesus in John 10, Jesus in John 10, speaks from Psalm 82. See, if, if, um, if these people in Psalm 82 were human beings, do you know it's pointless, right, for Jesus to quote it in John 10? Because Jesus is defending his sonship as God, right? So it would be pointless for him to quote it if they were just human beings. Do you understand? Are you following? So they are not human beings, basically. So it makes no sense, right, for Jesus when he references it. It makes no sense. So, so Jesus is saying in John 10, I've, I've said this before, I just wanted to write it for, it for the purpose of referring to it, so that's why. So if Jesus is saying that, firstly, in John 10, I am just like God, right? I am the son of God. Then, he quotes Psalm 82, saying that if there were folks, right? If there were certain beings called gods, right? And they were rebellious, these beings that were called gods, they were rebellious. That is, they did not show the works of God. How much the son of God who did no wrong. Do you get it? That's what John 10 is saying. So, there were other beings that were called sons of God. There were other beings that were called sons of God. Now, I want you to turn your Bibles. I want you to turn your Bibles to Genesis 11. Turn your Bibles to Genesis 11. Now, one of the things that may come to your mind is, did the epistles, listen, did the epistles talk about these supernatural beings? Right? These spirits. The answer is yes, but not now. I'll show you. I'll show you later. So, go to Genesis 11. Praise God. Genesis 11. Are we there? Okay, maybe, maybe for your... 
Okay, not Genesis. Don't go to Genesis 11 yet. That's something else. Now, for other references about sons of God, write this down. Job 38, verse 7. Job 38, verse 7. Job 1, verse 6. But this one, I want us to read this one. And um, the media team, right? The media team. Job 1, 6. Media team, apart from KJV, what other version do you have? Uh, where, where, uh, there are plenty. Uh, do you have Berean Study Bible? Where I want to read now, I want to because the KJV missed it, so I go where I want to read. I said, I read, do I take my phone? Let me show you my phone. <laughs> There's a version in my phone. <laughs> no, no, not Genesis 11. Oh, I didn't tell you, not Genesis 11. Um, Deuteronomy 32. No, no, not Job. Just write that one for this thing. Thank you. Thank you. Just Genesis Job once, where sons of God was. Deuteronomy 32. Amen. Okay. Thank you. So do you have do you have do you have a Liberian? So Okay. Uh, you don't have it, right? Uh, okay. Uh, uh, I want to show you something that. Uh, eh? Okay, okay. Uh, by, by, by Bible Hub that has that. So, the Bible Hub have has that. Okay, so, so let's see. Let's see Deuteronomy 32, verse 7. Let's go to verse 7. Let's just see something here. Verse 7. Okay. Now, um, this is Moses stating an account. I, I want to show you what we are talking about, sons of God, and the activities on the earth. To show you. So in verse 7, he says, Remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. Ask thy fathers, and he will show thee, show thee, show thee, right? thy elders, and they will tell thee. So, first and foremost, before you go to the next verse, Moses is, is about, is, he wants to tell them a story, right? Remember the days of old. He wants to tell them a story. Can you see that? So go to verse 8. Verse 8. Verse 8. He says, When the Most High uh, divided the nations, divided to the nations their inheritance, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of the children of Israel. Now, this is wrong. Why? Why KJV is wrong here is in this last phrase where it says, according to the number of the children of Israel. Okay, but um, where's the usher around? Pastor Eric, give Pastor Christian the mic. Huh? Oh, okay. Um. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided the sons of man, he set the boundaries of the peoples according to the number of the sons of God. See that? According to the number of what? The sons of, of the God. sons of God. Now, thank you, sir. What, what's, what's that? 
Huh? Variant study Bible. Now, why this is wrong? Thank you, sir. Why this is wrong, the number of the children of Israel, is wrong because at this material point in time that Moses is giving an account for, Israel had not come. God had not met, met Jacob. Amen? So, because before, before uh, Israel, the nation of Israel was formed, it came through Jacob, isn't it? So, this uh, narration of Moses, when he says, he divided the nations according to the number of the children of Israel. It can't be the children of Israel. Because the children of Israel, or the Israelites, were not existing in this timeline. Amen? So, it has to be the sons of God. Right? Okay. Do you see that? No, I will show you other places. To show you that these beings, their operations were in the earth. God divided them in territories. Huh? Are you, are you following? Huh? God divided them in territories. Is it making sense? This thing is not flying over your head. Huh? Huh? <laughs> okay. Let me, let me. <laughs> Look, next session, it is more clear, I believe. I think if I, if I show you what it is called in the epistles, you'll get it. I, I'm just, be, I don't want to say it yet. Okay. So, um, let me read also from the Septuagint Bible. Now, what is, what is called the Septuagint? I think Pastor mentioned it last, um, last catechismus, the Septuagint. Do you know what Septuagint Bible is? The Septuagint Bible is what? The, the Greek Bible, right, of the Genesis to Malachi, right? That's what it is. And it is said by so many theologians that this is also one of the Bibles that Jesus is used. Jesus used the Greek translation of the Hebrew Bible. Right? Because, that's, because Jesus too was a, an interpreter. Jesus used to say all the things we were saying. The Greek word of this, he used to say it. Yes? Don't think that we are feeling like uh, we know we are Greek scholars. No. We learned it from Jesus. He was saying the Hebrew because, yes, because the, the audience of Jesus, they spoke multiple languages, Aramaic, Hebrew, Greek. They spoke Greek because as at that time, the Roman had influenced that nation. Do you understand? I have 10 minutes extra. No, it's counting down. Better There's this in my time now. They've not added it. They've added it. You don't like the words. Okay, let me read the Septuagint. No, I'll stop. We'll continue the next session. Let me read the Septuagint. He says, the Septuagint says, uh, just listen. Because it says, when the Most High divided the nations, as he scattered the sons of Adam, he set the boundaries of the nations according to the numbers of angels of God. That's what the Septuagint calls them to. Right? Angels of God. Now, again, remember I've told you, it, it is qualified as these spirit beings. Right? Remember. Okay. So, so when he says angels of God, or like Bishop read for us, the sons of God, is not referring to Israel. So, so um, go to Genesis 11 then. Go to Genesis 11. Genesis chapter 11. So, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me give you a reason why I'm telling you to go to Genesis 11. This story, eh, 
that I forgot to say, this story that Moses is narrating is a Genesis 11 account because that is when the nations were divided, right? right? You can see that. Where is it? He says, the nation, he says, verse 7, go back to verse 7, quickly. Verse 7, what did verse 7 say? Huh? Somebody wants to help me. Deuteronomy, go, I'm, no, I'm seeing in Deuteronomy now, I'm seeing Deuteronomy. Yeah, verse 7. So he says, remember days of old, he says, consider the years of the generation, ask the father, and he shall show thee the elders, and they will tell thee, uh, where's, aha, that's divided. When the Most High divided the nations, okay? So where the nations were, were divided was in Genesis 11, right? Amen? Uh-huh. So now let's go to Genesis 11. Now, in Genesis 11, was Israel existing in Genesis 11? No, right? If Jacob had not even come to the picture. So go back to, go to Genesis 11 now. So Moses is telling a story that is in Genesis 11, right? Amen? Amen? Uh-huh. Genesis 11, verse 8. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. So you see that? So that's the account. So, <clears throat> so it means that it means that in Genesis 11, please write this down. In Genesis 11, supernatural beings were involved, right? Supernatural beings were involved. So, there were supernatural beings working with God in the Old Testament, right? They were working with God. And they were referred to as the sons of God. Amen? I know most of you who have read the Bible and have had some question, what is pumping in your head as I'm talking? Netflix, Netflix, pull down. Netflix, Netflix, pull down. I've not, I've not said anything about Netflix, so Relax. And I've not also said this thing, these beings are nephilims. They are, in fact, they are not. Amen? Okay. But what we know is that they are supernatural beings, right, that were sort of in charge of the nations. They had territories. We saw that, right? Did we see that? Okay. So, <clears throat> please don't forget that these beings, they had, these beings, they had capacity to obey or disobey, right? Okay, good. So, now... <clears throat> Look at Genesis 6. Huh? <laughs> Finally, yes. <laughs> Genesis 6. We're going to employ the use of the Septuagint and probably Berean again, the Berean Study Bible. We're going to employ them again. Uh, Genesis 6. Genesis 6 from verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that what? That the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, saw them that they were fair, and they took them wives of, of which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit, right, shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days Shall be hundred and twenty years. Let's take it slow. Let's take it slowly so you understand it. Now, in verse three, where he says the word flesh, right? When he says, "My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is flesh," we may quickly think that 
what Moses is saying here is that he's talking about flesh, the flesh of our skin, because it's flesh. No. When he says, my spirit shall not always strive with man for his flesh, right? This is where we have the conduct of sinful flesh coming from. Huh? That is, a life without the spirit is called the flesh. Huh? This is where Paul, what Paul is teaching, is what we later teach in Romans 8 and Galatians 6. This is where you take it from, the works of the flesh. Are you following? All right? So, <clears throat> so you, you, Genesis 3 is where you have the spirit versus the flesh. Remember Paul in Galatians 6, he says, the spirit lost it against the flesh. Right? This is it. Right? This is where he's teaching from. Are you following? Right? So, he says that... So, Moses is saying, this is where you have the spirit versus the flesh, right? Now, how, why did he call it flesh? Verse 5. Please show them verse 5. Verse 5. Why did he call it flesh? So, he says what? And God saw, what? The wickedness of man that was great in the earth. Verse 7. Quickly, verse 7. Go to verse 7. So, it's called flesh because of wickedness. Alright? Are you seeing that? So when he says, my spirit will not strive, my spirit will not strive with this wickedness. He's not talking about the physical body. Amen? That's nothing to do with that. Verse 7, he says, and the Lord said, I will destroy man from the face, I will destroy man whom I created from the face of the earth, both the beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repented me that I have made them. Verse 8, please. Verse, no, verse 12. Verse 12. Verse 12. Verse 12. Not verse 8. Verse 12. So, he says, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. Now, did we read something like this in Psalm 82? That the earth, right, the foundations of the earth has been corrupted. Remember? Good. So, my time is up, but let me just land and continue, right? They know I did too. Ah, these people, they are the flesh. I'm not telling you. Okay, let's go on. So, <clears throat> so, it's called the flesh because man is wicked here and it's, man is in corruption, right? So, for example, when Paul says, walk not in the flesh, this is the text. He says, do not walk here. Amen? Okay. So, <clears throat> so, what have we seen? In the corruption of man, Right? Which other activity, other being, do we see the activity? We see supernatural beings activity, right? In verse 3, he says, the sons of God. So, now, that means that so far, both in Psalm 82, in Genesis 11, in Deuteronomy 32, we see supernatural being working among the activities of men. Right? We see them walking. So, and this is where I'm going to close. We'll pick it up in the next session. Now, the New Testament used a codified language. Remember what codified language is? A short phrase of, some, of a letter writer, right? Of a former writer, rather. Used a codified language to talk about these beings. Remember when Paul said that Jesus spoke 
principalities and powers. Remember that. When he said that, Paul is not referring to angels. Right? He's not referring to angels from God. He's referring to supernatural beings. Right? He's, how do we know? The idea of principalities, that concept, principalities and powers, might and dominions, it is, what it connotes is that they are territorial beings. That's what it connotes. They are territorial beings. They are in charge of nations. Amen? They are in charge of nations. So, and is, will Paul be right when he says principalities? But will he be right? Of course. Because when we read it in the text, we see that these beings were in charge of the nations of the earth. So he codified it to say there are principalities, powers, dominions, and might. Or in other places, Colossians, you will say they are thrones.